Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I am your host, Paul Oren. You can find me on Twitter at NWI Oren, and you can find Union Street Hoops all over the internet, Google Pods, Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, the award-winning NWI.com, and the newest addition to the Union Street Hoops family. We're now on Stitcher. Get excited about that. We have got a great episode today. Luke Gore is going to join us. I talked to Luke actually uh, last week, um, right before the Labor Day weekend, and then decided to uh, to hold off, get you ready for the conference slate, which I guess will be announced any day now. You know, the f- first couple of years Valpo was in the Valley, it was always the first week of September. And then last year they'd had a schedule, I think, in place, and then they scrapped that, and then they went with the new uh, kind of double – uh, you know, double round robin, or, or they had the double round robin, but the you go to Indiana State, you play two games, you come home, you play two games against somebody, and and it was uh, it was crazy. I don't think we're going to have that again. I have a feeling that everything is going to be back to normal schedule wise. Although each day that passes, I wonder where the schedule is. I imagine the conference slate, as always, it's dictated by ESPN, CBS Sports Network, different television opportunities that the Valley may have. And that's obviously a great thing. The Valley has the ability to get games all over television. But the today, what we're going to be doing is breaking down the non-conference schedule. And I sit down with Luke. We did this over Zoom. And uh, it's just a great conversation. And we go back and forth. Luke and I have known each other for a long, long time. Um, there's only maybe five or six people that have been around Valpo basketball in a working capacity longer than Luke Gore has been around. And, and really, I, I, I'd struggle to even come up with that many. Um, so certainly enjoy every conversation with him, the evolution of how scheduling has been, especially with what we've seen the last couple of years. So Luke is going to join us. He's going to break down the entire schedule. And then from there, uh, you know, we'll, we'll ease into doing some more uh, frequent Union Street hoops here as the season gets closer and closer. I'd obviously there's a couple people affiliated with the program I'd like to have on and chat with uh, before the season gets uh, really started here in a couple months. So, without further ado, here is Valparaiso associate head coach Luke Gore. For the first time ever, Beacon's associate head coach Luke Gore is here. I know we've had Crusaders associate head coach Luke Gore, but now we have Beacon's associate head coach Luke. Thank you for joining. I'm glad to be here. Excited to talk to you, uh, P.O., as, as always. We do this every year. It's turned into be maybe my, one of my favorite podcasts to record. Um, kind of taking the fans through the, the etymology, that's a big word, of the schedule. And we're doing this September 3rd. I think last year we did this like November, late November, it felt like. every <laughs> like This is the earliest, I think, that you guys have had the schedule out. Was there any reason for this being done? It felt earlier than, I mean, we're still waiting on the conference schedule. But you guys are locked in, and with the non-conference, it feels like earlier than ever before. Well, yeah, the team said yes quicker. I mean, it's as simple as that. And and also, you know, with COVID last year, we moved a lot of home games back, and so that that scheduled some games in uh, that that sped up the process. But really, it's 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 trying to be ahead of the game, in which we always try to. I mean, the goal is always by the end of August try to have the schedule done. But um, a lot of times we can't get it done because you know, we can't find the right game or we can't find a, a team at all to play us on certain dates. Uh, and so this year we were fortunate we were able to get it done. 
the final piece of the puzzle landed very silently a couple of days ago with East West University popping up on the schedule. I'm sure we'll get to that game in a little bit, the highly anticipated East West University game. Um, I, I want to ask, kind of looking, you know, the 10,000 feet view of this before we get into individual games. You guys did something last year that clearly, I think, from the outside maybe was frustrating to fans, although fans couldn't go to games. You pushed a lot of home games back. Um, and, and was that a COVID-related thing, or was that just the way that things fell last year? Because now, right now, you're loaded with eight non-conference home games, which is the most you've had since the 13-14 season. Actually, it equals the most. I think it equals the most you've ever had in a non-conference. Uh, no, it was it was a it was a COVID uh, deal, but it was also a a plan. Uh, why why not play games when the students and the fans can come to the games? We knew they couldn't come, and so if we can move it back, which was, it was really tough on our guys. There was a lot of travel, and and it was also a year where you weren't in class; you were online. So we thought. You know, we, we can do that on the road a little bit. And so it was purely let's have games when fans can be here. And uh, that's why we pushed some games back. And, you know, our record suffered from it. And um, in early development stages of last season, it did it did uh, cause some harm to our record. But overall, we're excited about having the record, the, the, the schedule we have this year and the opportunity that once we're in class sessions now, our guys won't miss many classes uh, first. And that's the first reason, because in, in December, November, and December, we can control it. But, you know, you want to you want to be at home as often, but it's hard to do that. And then the next thing is, you know, as much practice time as possible. So more home games, more practice time, the better you can become when once conference gets here. So if, if we just have to make an investment and, and and try to do our best to play as many home games in November and December for the fans and for the team. Obviously, last year was an abbreviated everything. You played less non-conference games than you ever have before. You only played 28 games in the season. I think you had three home non-conference games. Two of them were non-D1s. The fans couldn't be there. Then when you got into conference play, you had these back-to-backs. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. We are awaiting the Valley schedule to come out any day now. Um, I just, I guess I want to ask logistically, how difficult was not, not necessarily from the basketball perspective, but just the travel perspective of these kind of two game series that you went on the road. Cause generally when you go on the road, unless it's a MTE, you're going there, you get in, you shoot around, you you, you spend a night, you play the game and you go home. And now was there just a lot more downtime in the hotel? How did you handle the, the road aspects of uh, maybe during conference last year? Oh, that's a great question, P.O. And, and you know me pretty well. I'm, I'm not, I really don't ever make any excuses for anything because every team in the league had to do the same thing. So we're all in the same boat. I think the biggest thing was, was there was a lot less time in hotels because you basically every other week you went on the road and you we went on the road on a, let's say, a, you know, you leave on a Thursday, you play Friday, you play Saturday, you'll come home after the game on Saturday. And that was the extent of go, traveling. And then you wouldn't travel for another week. Now what that was in theory, what they wanted everyone to do. Well, when you miss the first three weeks of the conference season, like we did the first two because of COVID and then the next, because the team we were playing decided to push their games back also. Uh, and now every week we had 
two weekend games and one midweek game. Now it just was it was travel to games, travel home to play games, and preparing the day when you know and that, and that was uh you know a lot of times one team might have four days to prepare for us and we might have one game or one or two days to prepare for them just because of how the beginning, but that's, that's how last year was. And we continue to get better. We, we looked in February end of February is like, we're finally in shape, you know, and, and usually you want to be in pretty good shape and, you know, December, November, you know, end of November, December, beginning of January. And then at your peak healthy and in shape, you know, come March. So uh, that was, that was part of the challenges last year, but, we got the, through it. We, we played the full slate of games and um, made some good progress. So while that, that season's going on last year, you're also now scheduling games for the next year and probably scheduling. And, and I don't really know when all these conversations take place. I know some of these were continuations of, of series that you had with like a Toledo or a UIC, but w- was there kind of like a, Hey, we're going to try to schedule this and things will be normal next year. I mean, was there, was there just kind of, I mean, did you have to put in, um, I don't know, different procedural things in case COVID didn't really go away, which kind of we're in the, we're in a purgatory of it. It seems right now. <laughs> no, we, last year there was a COVID clause this year. There's a COVID clause uh, in all the contracts just to just basically say if, if, you know, if COVID isn't a factor in the non-conference then we got to find a way to figure this out. So that, that extent i'm not a lawyer so we can have uh the lawyers in in the university take care of that but um you know scheduling you schedule once you finish one year you pretty much go on so i'm working on next year now um and once you finish up but then you still do home and home series and you try to have this master plan of what you want what the athletic department can do what your budget is and how can you get to the maximum number of home games and good opponents with the parameters that is set forth. And you got to have that in a year of ask two years in advance. So let's say, you you know, next year, not this year, but next year, we know uh, Toledo and Western Michigan's on the schedule. Um, we'll go to Western Michigan, Toledo and uh, Western Michigan will come to us and we're going to Toledo. So that's the basis because of uh, previous series. And now how many series do we add to it? How many games do we just get as single home games? How many do we get as a single road game? And then you pick and you also find out the MTE and the timing of that. So most MTEs are that Thanksgiving week, which is a great week because you don't miss school. But some are at the beginning of the year and some are at Christmas time. So what's your MTE? And then you can schedule around that. Looking now at the 21-22 slate, before we get into individual games, I want to ask there. And, and, and Matt and I talked about this a little bit Um it, it feels like it was a different philosophy of playing a lot more home games, not only getting, you know, you know, Toledo and UIC coming in, which you already knew you were going to get because you kind of moved those things around. You've now really the ones that stand out to me, Eastern Michigan being another one, of course, that was a, that was a return. So you got three returns there from games that you played on the road, but the ones that stand out to me here are William and Mary and Prairie View A&M. I think these are one-offs and, and obviously, you know, I guess we're starting at the back end of this, but when I look at these two games, these feel like games that you normally don't get. These feel like normal road games, right? You only are playing two true road games in the non-conference Stanford and Western Michigan. Generally that number feels a little bit higher. 
did you get a directive or did were you told or something that said, hey, you guys can be a bit more aggressive in getting some home games this year? We, we were given, I, I think the words you, I didn't like the words you used like then, P.O., but I really believe we were given an opportunity to okay. do that. Um, great opportunity. Mark LaBarber really, really, really looked at, you know, what we were doing and, and the things that we, we saved on last year to put forth, and hopefully we can continue that. That's the way the Valley schedules. If you look at almost every team in the Valley, they play seven or eight home games in the non-conference, almost all of them. And so we've got to get to where we can do that every year. It's an investment from, from the program and the athletic department and the school to do that. Uh, but when you do that, your team does uh, improve on the court because of practice times and being at home. And then they, they're able to attend more classes that first semester because you're at home. And I think that's – and that your program just moves forward. And you need to be able to do that. And when you're in a league like the Valley where everyone else does do it, then you got to step up and get to that point. And, and, and once again, uh, Mark did an amazing job and, and gave us that opportunity to try to go get some games, and, and we were fortunate to get a couple. So opportunity is the word, not directive. Okay, yeah. I will choose choose where I've never been good at choosing words properly. Good thing uh, you're, yeah, that is your business, and you're pretty good at it. So, all right, these exhibition games. Uh, normally, we don't we don't talk too much about the exhibition games, but I know you've got to be really excited for that second one. Yeah, well, I, I actually, um, I'm really excited about both of them because we're getting a coach against two of my close friends in both of them. And so the first one, Ashland, uh, their head coach, uh, John Ellenwood, when I got married, I went off to a camp. Um, and uh, we get back from the honeymoon. And the next day I leave to go work basketball camps because if you want to get in this business all summer long, you work in different camps. And um, John Wood, my roommate, Chad Briscoe, the AD at Grace was my roommate. And is a close friend of mine. So I actually lived with Chad as much as I did in the first two weeks of marriage as I did my wife. But also <laughs> in the suite next to me was another young, inspiring coach, John Ellenwood. And he's at Ashland. And, and we've been trying to find time for him to come up and play. So for me personally, it's really exciting for him. He has a great team down there, uh, Division II. Um, they have air, all their players back that played last year. They played six guys a ton of minutes, and they're all back, plus he added some pieces. And then we got uh, uh, Coach Warner coming back and uh, really excited for Chad to come back. And he, he, came, he went in the Final Four last year, the Division II Final Four, and uh, was undefeated most of the year. They, won, they beat multiple Division Ones last year. And uh, it's just a great friend to go both Coach Lodick and myself and just excited that he's coming up and we were able to work that out for him to get up here. And he has, he has, he has one player that's on NBA uh, radars. Um, so – uh, wanted to make sure help him get as many division one games as possible to, to help his player too. So uh, very excited uh, for that game. And Chad Warner was again, a special assistant to Matt Loddick, Matt's first year as head coach. Mm -hmm. And again, not a guy that, that maybe, uh, you know, a lot of people that weren't around the program day to day got a chance to interact with, but I'll tell you that guy was just like, I wanted to run through a wall every time I talked to him. He, he, he would pump me up. And I know I, I've, I've kept up conversations with him every time they get a big win, I shoot him a text or he'll message me up here and, and say good, good story every now and again. I think he clicked on somebody else's, but whatever it's uh, it's I really like Chad. He's a great guy. And, and I know I'm excited to be able to see him and, and again, Flagler's down in Florida, so this is uh, it's a special trip to uh, to be able to make that happen for an exhibition game. 
without a doubt. And, and we were fortunate enough to also work with Western Michigan. So he's actually going to get Western Michigan on the same. I don't, they probably haven't. I don't know if they've announced their schedule or not. I probably I don't know if I can say that they're playing them, but that's part of the deal. So he can get two games on the trip. Um, so, uh, no, extremely excited to get Chad up here. I mean, once again, he's a friend of the program. He's a member of the program. He's a member of the family. And uh, he contributes so much knowledge and so much uh, in that first, in that one year he's here. And he's still somebody that we, we rely on, like a lot of the former coaches that have been here um, on advice throughout the year. So uh, very excited that, that we get him up here. And usually you don't want to play friends uh, very often, but in an exhibition game, I think it's a great, a great thing to do. Before we get into the regular season, this kind of begs the question. The NCAA has long stated that you get two exhibition opportunities and and for the longest time for for when you was when 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 you and I were coming up in this industry so to speak uh it was always against two lower tier teams and then for a long time there was one exhibition game that fans could go to and there was a I don't know if you even know this but there was a thing called a secret scrimmage um I know you never heard of them very secret um I don't think you even, I don't think you have one this year. I know you've had them in the past. Um, is there, I guess your thoughts on, on getting maybe two dress rehearsal games in front of fans versus the chance to maybe go in a gym with a D one team and, and, and work out some things like you have in the past with teams like that. Where it's secret. So you don't even know what's going on, PO. Like, so some secret could be out there, but now, you know what, when I, when I started, which was, you know, just a couple of years ago in the business and, and, and helping with the, the schedule um, and you were in college as a student, but uh, you know, when that was going on, you could play anybody in these exhibition games. It didn't have to be a college affiliate. So you would uh, athletes in action, somebody we always played, which I, you know, I have a great connection to and, and the program does and, and it's coached a lot of their teams overseas. And um, it's, it's, so you could play that team and you could, you know, help their program. And they had a team that travel and play a ton of teams. And you had different, different organizations like that, that had teams. And then the NCAA came out with, you had to play a college team in the exhibition. So it had to be a, you know, a lower level team. And, and then they made a rule that you could do a scrimmage against another opponent. And it had to be where fans or no one could attend other than the, the main personnel. So that's where I mean, we're not even, we weren't even allowed. I remember I saw the video clip. There was a year that John Kaiser hit a game winner in I that. About. I know Secret. I'm going to talk about it. Uh, it beat somebody. I'm not going to say who, and then you guys ran a very similar play to beat Loyola in the tournament. No, all the guys on the team were talking about, Oh, we ran this play already. I'm like, I've never seen this play before. And they're like, no, it was a secret. And then I saw a video clip of it. And then people started texting me like, like higher ups, maybe the athletic director, like, Hey, like, how do you know about this? You're not supposed to know about this. I thought it was, I don't even know if those are still going on this year. Did you guys just opt out to do? We just opt out. To be honest, uh, Chad's game with Flagler came in late. Well, we were actually going to scrimmage somebody else. And okay. then they, that game came in late and we had to, we, we decided to do that instead of the scrimmage. So that's, and I do like to, to live dress rehearsals. I also love getting back in the gym. So our fans, can get out and see us. I think there's a good buzz going around uh, the community and the school. Hopefully, uh, I know we're going to publicize it. I know we're going to get out there and uh, promote it. And I know the students are going to know about the games a lot better this year uh, than they have in past. And I, I think we're going to have good sections. So I, I love that we get two games, just two more opportunity, uh, one more opportunity to just have a home game 
and um, more opportunity to see the guys and, and watch us play and, and us get in front of our home fans. The season opener is November 9th, 6 p.m. against Toledo. Feels like the right kind of game to start the season in. A good barometer, a, a MAC team that I think you guys look at as, you know, they're pretty good. We're pretty good. Let's have a good game. Uh, how important is it for you to start the season at home? Last year, you had, I mean, you went to Vanderbilt, great opportunity last year, and then you're at Purdue and you are at UIC in Purdue. You're on the road three in a row. Um, to, to be able to have an opening night at home, how, how nice is that? It's, it's really good. And, and you, and, and, and Toledo has been great. Um, you know, Todd over there, is, he's great to work with and, and, and doing the schedule. So it is a great game. You know, two years ago it was an amazing home game. And then last year we were supposed to open up at Toledo. And, uh, and, and so it, you know, it's close proximity to drive and it's just a good game. And, but open up at home is huge because, you know, we are dealing with, you know, 20, 21, 22 year olds, 18 year olds, some of the guys. And, you know, as much as we want to say they're resilient and every, you want some, com you want something that's comfortable for them to get rolling too. So playing at home usually gives you some of that comfort. And, and now we're playing a team that's very good. They have some really good pieces. Uh, and uh, really, uh, they're going to be picked one of the top three, four teams in the MAC. And so we're going to have to play to win um, for sure. And, and, and I'm excited for that game. Then you're going to have another home game against the Horizon League team, UIC, a team that I, I enjoy seeing on the schedule. I, you know, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that I would love to see Oakland on the schedule or Milwaukee on the schedule. Really, any of those Horizon League teams bring back some good memories of some great rivalries that you guys had. Um, you got UIC on the schedule last year. You went there. Uh, is this just a, a home and home situation here with these two, two, two and done? Uh, yeah, but we're going to keep trying to play UIC if, if, if it works out. Um, and they want to play too. But once again, there's a lot of parameters in making games work out, which we've talked about in dates and in timing and what the conference tells you, how many games you play. The problem with the Horizon League is they play 22 league games. So they play 22 league games. They go play three games in a classic uh, or an MTE. And so now they're up at 25 games, and they only have six more games to schedule because you can get to 31. And almost every team in the in the Horizon League has to play five or six bye games, so they don't really have many opportunities to play home and homes. Um, but we we're working like with the teams that you said. We we talk to them each year. You know, uh, Greg up at at Oakland's a, is awesome, and so you know we're working with those teams. But it's just they don't have very many opportunities to schedule non conference games. And if they did have more of an opportunity, we could get more more of them on the schedule. So. We are working. UIC is too close, and they're a good program. It's too for us not to try to play them each year. We'll get to some of the. We'll get to the two road games in a second. I, I want to continue on with the home schedule. You've got the two non D ones. I know that fans get frustrated at these because you know for the same reason I think fans get frustrated at NFL preseason games. You're going to put something on the floor that um, or out on the field that. You charge the same price, but, you know, I'm not going to see Aaron Rodgers out there or in your case, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, but which, by the way, congrats on Ryan Fitzpatrick. That guy's going to be a stud this year. Um, I know you're excited. I see you're growing. Your beard. Like, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've been doing that for a few years now. He He's trying to catch up to me, but his beard is big time. Yeah. Um, what is the value to playing non D1 teams? I mean, what is it a necessary evil? I guess I, I also think about the fact that you do give a chance to give an opportunity to some guys that maybe, you know, to be able to get a D one game. And just like when Valpo was up and coming teams like Notre Dame and, 
And, uh, you know, the Stanfords of the world would give a, a shot to Valpo years ago, or Purdue would come in here years ago or whatever. But um, just your thoughts on, on playing the non-D1s. Well, we, we've already talked about how exciting we are to have all these home games. Well, to get home games that are not part of a series, it costs a lot of money. Um, it doesn't cost as many to get a non-D1. So do you want us to, to stay at, be at home, uh, get comfortable with our, our surroundings, go to class, get better as a basketball team and be ready for conference play? Then if you can throw in, you know, one or two non-D1s in there, then it's budget-wise, it, it helps your budget. And then two, it also gives you an opportunity you know, if, if you look at all the big time schools, they do the same thing. It just happens to be with division one teams that are in the bottom 300 of conference. That's why it, for us to get a game now, how they put the net rating out there, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, is, you know, the, the top teams or the, anybody that wants to try to get in that large bid, they're playing the lowest possible teams because if they win by 30, it's better than beating or trying to beat us by 10. And so, this is, yeah, that's when Baylor plays deal. Jackson State. You yeah, know, it's, it's the same as same deal for us. And, you know, but playing a 91 doesn't help your net ranking or anything like that. But it also it gives you opportunity to play maybe some guys that didn't get to play in other games, younger players when your older players are playing. It could be you're going to the Bahamas and you're coming back from a long trip after you go to Stanford to the Bahamas. And so you're on the road basically for a week straight. And then you have a conference game on December 2nd. And so you probably want a tune-up game where you get that out of your system. So on December 2nd, when we go on the road for a conference game, we're not coming off the road where we had to go play at Murray State or somewhere like that to get ready to play a conference game. So playing a good friend of the program and Jason Hawkins at Trinity Christian at home on the 27th makes a lot of sense. So um, the Valley schedule is going to come out eventually – if if you if people have been doing some tea leave reading between the lines, they will have seen at this point that there is going to be on the first or second a conference game, which is, feels like a new thing this year. It's not officially announced yet, so you've kind of revealed that a little bit. But again, it's coming any day now. Um, is there any thoughts to? I mean, I know that that in the Horizon League used to do this all the time. Play two games really early in the season, and. I always felt like if you won those two games, that's amazing. If you lose those two games, it kind of ruins Christmas a little bit um, or ruins Thanksgiving. What's your take on uh, on stepping into conference a month before you play any other conference games just for a one-off? Well, you know, there's two different takes you have. Uh, one is it gives you an opportunity to that after Christmas because we'd have to start conference pretty quick after Christmas. Now, you know, they push that back. So you can either – you can go on the road and get, a, you know, a play a high major or something where you can start a, a good home and home. Or you can also, you know, get a home game like we did this year against a very good team. But it's a home game that you can get ready for conference play. So there's a big positive on that, that you have more time to prepare after Christmas. So you, you would think you might be a little – you might be more prepared to play that game on December 2nd than you would on December 29th because of the Christmas break. And, and at us as a staff and as a program, we try to give our guys as many days off at Christmas as possible um, in the, in the, in the storm of, of, of college basketball season. Our guys don't get Thanksgiving. They don't get Christmas. They get a lot of things. They're very blessed in the things that they get to do. But if we can give them three or four days off for Christmas, we're going to try that. And so now not playing a conference game that I think that's the main reason why. Uh, but the other side is you, know, you play one game in December and you got a young team versus an old team. Let's say that's the case. And um, 
you got you're not going to be as prepared for that game as other guys. So that that kind of stinks on that side. So I don't like it on that aspect. I like it all together and then you get in the flow. But the the reasoning does make great sense where you know after Christmas you can do one game before league and, and be you know and be in good shape. And our, and we we play one of the first uh tournaments at the end of the year. I mean the Arch Madness is is one of the first tournaments. So we kind of miss out on a week of regular season games that other conferences can play. So that's that's kind of why we have less off days than other conferences. Than like I said, the Big Ten, we have less off days, and we have to squeeze some stuff in that way uh, because of, you know, we just play early, our conference tournaments just earlier. I want to get serious for a second. You're going to play this, uh, this big non-conference game at Stanford. You've known Matt Loddick for, I don't know, seven or eight years now. I imagine Matt kind of has made it known that he was a big deal in college, right? Like he, you know, was on a big team, 32 and 0 at one point or whatever it was. Like, do you think he has any fear of you guys going to Palo Alto and no one really knowing, like, like, who is this guy? Like, you know, like, are you going to give him some grief if, uh, if you guys walk into the sandwich shop and there's not a sandwich named after him or something like that? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to give him grief about whatever I can find grief to give him. And he's going to give it back to me. So it, playing at Stanford or playing at Valpo or playing, well, you know, wherever, it, there's going to be some grief given to one of us. So, uh, you, you know, I think it's really special. It's something that, you know, it's not always – you can't always do that. And um, for a team to agree to play us um, on the road in this situation, it, it's, 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 it's really nice that Stanford said yes. Um, and, uh, it, you know, coach Haas is a great coach. He's brought in amazing recruiting classes and they're on the verge and they're, they're right there and they can't bring in transfers at Stanford. So, you know, they're, they're playing, you know, with a little bit, you know, different parameters as everybody else. So, uh, but then to say yes, uh, is I, I just have a lot of respect for Stanford I always have. And if I didn't, you know, coach like would make sure that I gave Stanford its respect. So. Um, but he loved his time there. Um, he, he always compares Stanford and Valpo in a lot of ways um, because of the academic side and uh, trying to strive to be the best basketball program we can have. So um, I'll give him grief about something. I don't know what it is. And we're very excited to get him to go play in the game. If no one knows him, which I'm pretty sure he'll make sure if they don't know him, he'll announce it to the crowd. I am Matt Lodick. I did start and was the leading scorer on a team that was the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. So that Stanford game, I mean, you're going to come back. Uh, I mean, I imagine you're going to do either a late night flight or you're going to come back the next day on the 18th. And I, I would think you're going to be all, all of a sudden on break pretty quickly thereafter, which means you'll get down to the Bahamas, be kind of a quick turnaround. Um, first of all, this, this, Bahamas tournament uh I know you've alluded to me before that I mean contracts have been signed for a while these MTEs are not something that you come up with 20 minutes before the season starts when did you get on their radar or they get on yours and and are there are there COVID fears at all with this um just your thoughts uh kind of looking at the whole weekend right now but uh, that we we've uh we signed this uh we agreed to this about three years ago to be honest uh it's been quite a while so um you know, last year we had, uh, you know, the MTU we were supposed to go to last year. We had to, we had to get out of it. Um, it was unfortunate. It was in Nashville. It was going to be a good one. Um, but, you know, they, you know, 
I don't live in the fear world, but there is realities that COVID could could add some um, difficulties about going somewhere. Um, but I, I'm not. I, I feel that it's going to happen. We're going to be there. Um, you know, watching college football last night. I mean, we're gonna, we're going to all figure this out. So um, very excited to get down there and, and play this. And you know, Aaron Gordon being on six year. That's the that's kind of the silver lining of this. Is his whole family is from the Bahamas. I mean, so he's going to have his grandmother who still lives there. There, so it's it's really cool. Aaron's given a lot to the programs, made some you know made uh, some big shots, and just been a consistent uh, member of our team and our university. So to be able to get down there, so his grandma can come watch him play, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't got this extra year of eligibility. So um, it's it's uh, excited to go down there uh, for that, probably more than anything else. Coastal Carolina looks like a great draw. I mean, I'm just looking at the field of this. Obviously, you're going to you get Toledo and Charlotte on the exact opposite end of the bracket, probably by design, since you're going to play those guys. Uh, you will have already played Toledo and Charlotte will be coming up. Um, Coastal Carolina feels like a really fun opportunity. And then depending on how things shake out, win, lose, or otherwise, you got a chance, maybe Abilene Christian, who obviously made some noise in the NCAA tournament beating Texas, this looks like a, a, you know, there's not a splashy power five team in this field, but there doesn't need to be. There looks like there's eight solid mid-major programs. Just your thoughts of, of, of looking at the other seven teams and, and, and what kind of experience you can get out of these three games. You know, and I'm biased, obviously. And, I, to, and if you know me, when it comes to the season, if you ask me about a game being played that has no effect on Valpo basketball, I might not have a clue what you're talking about. And so of tournaments out there, I know what the Valley other Valley teams are. I think we're by far the best mid-major uh, MT. Coastal Carolina was 18 and eight last year. They got almost all their guys back. They're really good. They have an amazing head coach that really knows what he's doing. Uh, and then if, you know, after that game, you go to, you play a Ron Harper Jacksonville State team, or you play a uh, uh, Abilene Christian NCAA tournament team um, that causes about 25 turnovers a game in the game after Coastal Carolina, you play one of those two teams. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have, you know, you have Tulane, you have, who is in the, uh, they're in the American. And then you have, or oh, Conference USA, which one? No, Charlotte's well, I think, in Conference yeah, I USA. Yeah, I get them confused all the yeah. time. Yeah, Charlotte's in Conference USA, Tulane's in American. Um, and, and then you, Drexel. you have uh, Drexel, who is really good in the CAA. And then you have Toledo, who was a favorite in the MAC. So, it's, it's just a bunch of really good teams. And, you know, you kind of you, – you talk about the splash, but you also kind of – you know, you go into these events, you kind of wish one team uh, wasn't as good as everybody is. So, you know, you have that if, – if, if you lose a one-pointer in the first game and another one-pointer in the second game, at least you feel like you can win the third one. In this tournament, I, I believe any team could win three games by two points or they could lose three games by two points. And does it mean that team that won the three or a lot better than the other team? No, it means it's a six-point difference in three games. So great preparation for Arch Madness, uh, great preparation uh, for conference play, and then we get to get home and and we get to stay at home for most of December. Which is, again, I think something that you just haven't seen in a long time, being able to spend that entire month before conference play really begins in earnest. But there is one that you got in there. And, and again, it's, 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 it, it could be a day trip. I guess it's a 1 p.m. start. Um, which probably means you may stay the night the night before, but you got Western Michigan and you'll be going up against Malik McMillan. 
the first of three games where you'll be playing against a former Valpo player. This doesn't happen very often. Guys have transferred away, and 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 for the most part, you get to uh, you, you avoid them. Yeah, not not intentionally avoid them. It's just they go to schools that generally you're not going to play. Um, is there excitement about? Uh, you know, for I mean, Malik McMillan just named the hardest worker in the Western Michigan offseason program. Um, how excited are you to, uh, to to first of all get a good game against a local team, uh, re- relatively local, close by, and then to be able to see Malik? Well, first and foremost, um, uh, post uh, I mean, uh, summer workout awards. How about that? That's pretty cool. Um, I never heard of that one before, but Malik is a hard worker. So if someone's going to win, it's going to be Malik. Um, you know, Malik's a graduate of Alpo. I love Malik. He's, he, he, he's a local, you know, from Maribor and he, and he came here and he developed, he, you know, he, he didn't average 10 points a game as I, in high school. Um, but he came here and he really developed and did some great stuff and graduated and, you know, coming into college, a lot of, you know, a lot of people was like, you know, how's he going to do it as a school? Well, he got a degree in four years. So, so proud of Malik. Um, playing Western has nothing to do with Malik. It has to do with they're close. We should play every year and find a way to do it. Same with UIC and these teams that are within not, you know, within an hour and a half drive. We got to find a way to both ways to play these games. And uh, they were, they were, you know, that game came up one of the later games in the, to get on the schedule. Um, and I'm glad we were able to do it. We've been trying to work on it for quite a few years, and I'm glad we're finally able to start a series with them. Charlotte comes here on December 11th. This is a this is a solid above average mid-major team that you guys have had a lot of interactions with over the last 20 years. I can remember uh, my senior year they showed up on the schedule. Valpo went to Charlotte and they had an NBA prospect on their team. Valpo won that game and it was maybe like I mean, they, they, they had like a 95% home court winning non-conference win at that point. And Valpo, Valpo won that game. Um, Charlotte came back to the arc a couple of times. You guys revisited this later on. What is it about Charlotte that they keep every, every five years or so, they kind of pop up on the schedule? I'll be honest. I have no idea. Um, but we, they do. And it's a good game. And, uh, you know, I, who was the, who was the big time player in that game? Do you remember? I was coaching. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to do a quick Google. Uh, no, 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 no. You just got to think of it. I'll tell you that he's very intelligent and he wasn't always in the headlines, but he played well, really well that game. And all the time when he shoots, it goes in. You're talking about a Valpo player? Valpo player. When we beat him at their place, who was the, who, who was like the player of the game that is not the player of the game very often? Well, I'm trying to think because, because I'm talking about 2001. I'm talking. I'm talking about the, the, uh, it was 2003. Did we go back in 2003? Yeah, I'm trying to really... quick look here. Uh, bear, bear with me, everybody. Uh, uh, can't you do it off to, I mean, come on. I got, okay. 2005, 2006. All right. I'm looking, I'm looking. We got it. I found the, found the score 80 to 77 win right there. And there he is 24 points, four for four from the three point line. Eight of nine from the floor, five rebounds, Seth Colclasure. Yep. How about that? Seth with five rebounds. I forgot about the five rebounds. Uh, Seth was six foot on a good day and um, and as good a shooter as there is. So, yep, I always remember that game because Seth 
I mean, he dominated. It was awesome. So yeah, they had a guy in that game. They had a guy named D'Angelo Alexander at 32 points in 2001. They had a guy named Joby Thomas, who was a sharpshooter, yep. who never quite made it, but but at the time, uh, yeah, he really was. looked like he was going to be it. So again, so Valpo's had had a lot of uh, kind of interactions with Charlotte over the years, and uh, I'm I'm trying to think the last time that Valpo played Charlotte would have been, well, you guys played, you guys played two years ago, yeah, two years ago, yeah. So you played yeah, yeah. seven times, and you're four and three against them. And this is a team that that's a good team. Um, really good. They're not, they're not close. They're not driving. It's not like you're playing a MAC team. So, is it? I mean, is it just easy to to get them on the schedule? It just happened. To be honest, and you know, don't forget Bryce played in Charlotte too, uh, Coach Drew back in the day. So, um, you know, he I think he had a little bit of thought to get back there sometimes. Uh, David Chadwick is from from Charlotte. So, you know, last time we went down there and played, it was really awesome. Him and his wife and his and his, his kid was there at the game, um, I think. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, so, yeah, it just, you know, it happens. Um, and once again, sometimes a team will say yes, and they're in a great league, and they're a great program, and uh, they have a great staff now that is just willing to play. So, it was, you know, sometimes that's who can play on the date you have, and sometimes it's the same team that pops up. You're going to get Eastern Michigan on the schedule, and – that is a return of a game that I think happened two years ago in really one of the more crushing losses of that season. I thought you guys were up big. I went to that game. John Bowker and I drove to that game, as a matter of fact. Um, and uh, you guys were down big. You came back. You took the lead. And then, uh, man, that was uh, that was a tough one. They got some players on that team. Um why was that a was that a COVID casualty last? I hate to word it that way, but um, was yeah, it was, not a, it was a, a COVID delayed game. COVID delayed game. Oh, so oh, postponed game, maybe postponement. Yes, I yes. think that's a common word in journalism for games. Probably better back. than what I just said. Yeah. So. so Charlotte was too. So Charlotte and Eastern Michigan were two games that we were supposed to play at home last year, and uh, it came to our attention that they need to move back, and we were like, let's move it back um, because once again, why not have more home games this year? So that brings us to the last two games, William and Mary and Prairie View AM. And I know we kind of touched on these a little bit at the beginning, but again, these feel like games that are just a little bit different than, and again, games that you just really haven't had in the past. Um, I know when you talked a little bit about Flagler, you talked about them, you know, kind of piggybacking on another trip that they're going to do. You were able to do this with at least one of these teams, I think, right? That is maybe playing a Big Ten team in the area. And, and, and is that how these things come together? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Prairie View's uh, playing Northwestern um, on the 30th. And to be honest, we scheduled them before Northwestern scheduled them. So technically, Northwestern's riding our piggyback. Okay. Okay. Um, and then William Mary has a lot of Chicago area kids on, uh, well, not kids, but young men on their team. And uh, so it was it was good that that's why they would come back. Prairie View A&M, and I know I jumped back and forth between teams, but let's go to Prairie View. You know, they were undefeated in their league last year. They got an upset in the second round. Oh, not upset. Texas Southern is really good. But they lost to Texas Southern in their conference tournament. And we all remember the Texas Southern team that we played in the NIT, which I think was probably our hardest home game that year. And we played them, St. Mary's, and Florida State. And I really believe the Texas Southern game was our toughest game. And so and, – and Prairie View went undefeated in, in that league last year. So they're not a team that a lot of people were wanting to schedule – 
And so that gave us the opportunity to actually get them on the schedule. And so uh, uh, excited for that. Uh, they play a, a, a matchup zone type deal, which is a little different. So that's another reason teams wouldn't want to play them. And once again, in the land of the, NI, uh, the, of the net ranking, one of the biggest components of the net is winning games by a lot of points. So you have high efficiency uh, on offense and defense, and that, that plays into your overall net ranking. And so uh, a team like them, a team like us, you know, teams don't want to don't want to play us. You know, they, you know anybody in the Valley, and no one wants to play a Valley team. Um, and then when it comes to their league, no one really wants to play Prairie View and A&M. So I'm really fortunate that, and they were great to work with, that they they were willing to come play us, and and we were able to get that home game. So William and Mary Prairie View A&M both one off. You guys are yeah. hosting, not return. Okay. Yeah. How much? Um, and again, I, I think this is a great, I'm, I'm going to tell you complimented me on a question earlier. I'm going to compliment myself before I ask this question. because I think <laughs> this is going to be a good one um, because it's one that I don't think about a lot. I see these schools pop up on here, but I don't know the intricacies of the way they play and all of that. How much do you look at that stuff of saying, okay, look, maybe a, uh, maybe a Northern Iowa shows us this look during conference play. So we need to go find a team that's going to show us that same look during non-conference to get some, some practice against that. Is that, do you look at that? Obviously with, with obviously, you, you know, the style that some of these teams have played, how important is that to get different looks throughout the non-conference? Oh, it's very important. If we can, you know, once again, the, the, the main piece to the non-conference schedule is getting home games and getting the dates to work out and then meeting whatever the, whatever your budget is, you know, those are the, you know, and then, and, and have quality opponents in that. So that's the first, but when you're doing that, you're also looking at their style of play. That's why Prairie View A&M is really not a, not a, how they play is really not going to prepare us that well for the conference, but we could get them and they're a good team and it would get us prepared that way. Now guarding them, they play a traditional way that is, is is similar to the Valley. So guarding them will be good. But on offense, the only other team in our league that really does a zone is Illinois State. So, uh, and they're not, they're not really a zone team. They're like a, a matchup zone. It's just a, a, a funky way they play. Um, it, it's a good way they, they win games with it. But so that aspect did go into effect. And it was like, man, and that was like one of the hiccups on it is like, do we want to play them? And it, was, it came down, it was like, no one else will play us. And they're really good. Um, but it's a home game after Christmas. And uh, so that's why we're playing them. But other teams like William Mary, they kind of play like all league. Um, so we thought that would be a really good game um, in the, even all the way back to Ashland, they play a, a grind it out, pound you inside, shoot, then kick it out and shoot threes, very similar to the Valley. And so that was important in, in, you know, and so we look at those things and scheduling a team like Eastern Michigan was a team that, you know, we got on the schedule um, a few years back, but it really, they don't prepare you for the league because they used to play, you know, the Syracuse zone all the time where well, they're going back to playing man to man and in, in, in a grind out se session, I would guess, because how Stan he pitch uh, coaches. And so that will be a better game to prepare us. Uh, Western Michigan plays really fast, but they play a, a similar type defense that the, the Valley plays. Um, and so, yes, that does go into scheduling quite a bit is, is trying to find teams that can prepare us for different teams that we play in the league. Charlotte plays the offense that a lot of the teams in the league plays. Uh, but they picked – I could say we're that smart 
but there is, I mean, we got them and there was a coaching change when we started playing them and we didn't know what the offense they were going to play. They could have been doing Virginia's offense, but they don't. Um, so, you know, we had no clue. So I can't say I was that wise on that one. You get well, to control. That, it it's not just me. I'll, everyone works on this. I just happen to be the one that takes most phone calls. That's right. And the one who gets to do Union Street hoops. Yeah, it's such a benefit. You are, uh, you get to control most of the non-conference. I mean, maybe it's organized chaos, but it's still organized a little bit. In terms of the conference schedule, it shows up in, in your email inbox. Here's your schedule. <laughs> What's the first thing you look for when you look at when, when you are when your eyes are going to meet the paper of the conference schedule what's the first thing that you look for well, the first game man so i can put it in our schedule so you gotta go in chronic or just knock them out but this year you could see if the people who were watching could see my eyes roll at that yeah <laughs> i mean but i mean you want to you ask a, a great question like you just did i'm gonna give you thank a you answer. thank you <laughs> but no it this year would be different because it's going to be who we replay in december first or second you know yeah. and then and then it's kind of look then you kind of look at the mat the makeup of because you're gonna have to play everybody two times regardless it's you know and, and some coaches are like well we i'd rather play this team first or last or whatever it, I mean, we're all playing everybody the same amount of games. So the main one would be who are we playing uh, on December 2nd or 1st, whatever day it is. And then the next thing would be who are we playing on, you know, January 1st after, you know, at the beginning of the year. Those are the like the first game is always like, are we going on the road? Are we at home? It's not to say, wow, we got a good one or wow. It just just that's what my eyes go to. And then um, since um, Loyola is the team that we don't um, you know, we, they're, they're closest, you know, it's where not, it's not game, a hotel stay. Yeah. So where does their game fit in the schedule? Um, and in the Valley, you play one game on the road, one game at home. And so you're trying to see, well, how many Saturday games do you have? How many, and all this, and at the end of the day, there's nine teams. You're going to have five weekend games, four in the middle of the year, or you're going to have four, five in the middle of the year, five, four in the weekend. It's not much different. So, um, you know, so that it, at the end of the day, all our schedules are really the same. And so um, you kind of look at how you're going to end the season, how you're going to start. Um, but the key you're, is to show up and try to win as many as possible. Whenever. All right. All right. That was diplomatic. You're a Washington football team fan. When their schedule comes out, what's the first thing you look for? Well, you know, I would love for us to just who are the, you know, because I think the NFL has four games that kind of you don't know they're going to play. Like th yeah. that's on – the you know they're gonna play another division they're gonna play their division it comes down to like four games so who are those four teams and and you want to win them so how bad are those four teams and can you beat them and well it's generally the way the nfl i love the way the nfl does it because they generally take okay if washington finished in first place they're going to play all the other first place teams um yeah. in those extra games so that's fun i but you know, do, you, I, do they take an effect do they play they finish in first place or they finished under 500 I hope they – I mean, I wish they would have done more of the under 500 route for their <laughs> schedule, but they went more with the first-place finish. So um, – but you know what? At, and that's – that. those four games are the only games that are different than everyone in their league and in their division. Yeah. The, the division will play 12 like opponents for the most yeah. part. So, you know, so, you get that, but then you want those advantages in those four games. Speaking of football, because we're on the central time zone here – uh, football games, NFL games around here start at noon. 
you have a lot of noon starts this year. You have a lot of, I'm looking at uh, UIC as a noon start, Charlotte's a noon start, William and Mary's a noon start, Western Michigan's a 1 p.m. start. Um, what, you know, and then, and then you got a handful of 6 p.m. starts as well. Uh, there are no, as of right now, no 7 p.m. home starts. It's either 6 p.m. or noon. Um, I imagine for Charlotte, that's so they can fly home that night. And uh, same thing with William and Mary. You're playing at noon and a weekday, but it's the week before Christmas. Do you do you get to determine time a game? Is that part of the negotiation a little bit? Is that just a travel thing for those opposing teams? And and I guess your thoughts on on the differences between playing a noon game and playing a six or seven p.m. game? Great question. Um, and it's it's a, it's a it's talking to uh, and that, that really is a great question because I'm sure a lot of people wonder that and. And, you know, talking to Eric Weller, our associate athletic director in charge of facilities, uh, talking to our production team, talking to Mark LaBarbera, uh, talking to Erica uh, down in the ticket office, and, she's, and she also does a lot of promotions for us, is how do we get as many people at the games as possible? But then in scheduling the games, um, some teams, and you hit it right on the head, Charlotte, they have finals the next week. We have finals the next week. Let's get this game at noon. And we have no Sunday noon games, so no NFL uh problems except western michigan for some reason scheduled that game at one which i'm excited about because it's we get home earlier and uh i don't know when the football team plays but maybe i can see some of it um and then we're mary was it's right before christmas and it's it's a midweek game everyone's out of school already a lot of people aren't working that'd be a great opportunity and a great opportunity to uh promote that noon game and get as many fans as here then and then Maybe it's a game that you come to a Valpo game and then you go off to your Christmas vacation or uh, whatever you'll be doing for Christmas. Um, so we're excited about that. And then UIC, um, our volleyball team actually has a game that night at six. And so their conference game. And so we had to work around that. And with the unknowns of COVID protocols and stuff like that, we, we wanted there to be a good gap and then have some consistency on when we were playing games at home. And so the two times were noon and six. So everybody knows, you know, on a Saturday, a lot of Saturday games, if, if there's a conflict, it's at noon, which is two of them. Um, and then one is a midweek and then everything else is at six. Um, and it really credit Mark on, on his forward thinking on this. And, and we thought, but if you play at six, you know, you're still at seven East Coast time. You still get a prime time to uh, to get on ESPN and all that stuff. But then also when the game ends at eight o'clock, you know, a parent might be a lot more, they'll probably be more likely on a midweek game to come to a six o'clock game at the yard because their kids will be able to get home in time to get to bed a lot. And, and being a parent, there's a huge difference in getting home at 8.30 and 9.30. I mean, yeah. it's in a, a, a kid's life. So hopefully that attracts more families for the midweek games. And so that's that's a little bit of the thought process on that. And if you get the number one seed in the Valley tournament, you're going to be playing a noon game in Arch Madness on Friday. So that, that actually, and as coaches, we think about that. So, you know, so. Uh, I just, just a heads up here on December 5th, the day that you play Western Michigan. Thank you. Cause the green Bay Packers have a bye that week. So I have no conflict. And I think you'll like to hear this. The Washington football team plays at Vegas in what appears to be a nationally televised game in the at the three o'clock window. So you'll get your game done. And then on the bus ride home, you'll be able to watch the game. So that's great. A lot of incentive to win that game. And I'm gonna watch the game to get so we can get better. But if when watching a game after a loss, you're it's a little bit different. 
So <laughs> yeah, um, I, I probably wouldn't have two screens going up watching it after a loss, but I, after a win, I'm, I can have it on my phone, the, the football team going and then uh, watching that. But we actually scheduled that mid, mid-afternoon game specifically for you. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. So we knew if the Packers were playing in the middle of the day, it, less likely you go to Kalamazoo, which is only a, a, you know an hour and a half away. But oh, I'll be there. Sure I, it's a bye week. Both both. Yeah, you got to be there now. Both yeah. the teams in my household, the Packers and the Browns, both have a bye week. So I'm, I'll be in Kalamazoo. Let's go. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. I while I have you here, um, you know, the guys are back. What? You know, I mean, I don't want to go player by player because that would be another 20 minutes. But but maybe maybe a couple guys that are standing out to you right now, some some buzz in the, the early fall workouts. Any anyone standing out to you right now? I know I know as a coach, you you love all of them equally. But um, what have you seen from maybe some of the freshmen or some of these newcomers that that'll get the fans excited, the Beacon fans excited? Um, first of all, I think the guys returning are, have done an amazing job improving their game and welcoming in the, the new guys. So you have to give, you know, Aaron, Ben, Sheldon, Emil, Connor, uh, Brock, Luke, Tyler, all those guys, a lot of credit because how they have improved in the offseason, drastically improved, really worked on their game, staying loyal to Valpo and really, you got to give them a lot. And then welcoming in and just, and, and, and teaching the new guys, you know, Valpo and then the new guys coming in, telling them, Hey, this is how it is somewhere else. I'm really glad I'm at Valpo. Like it's, it's, you might think the grass is a little green or somewhere else, but I'm telling you, uh, we got it. You got it pretty good here and they really take care of you in ways, you know, and I'm biased, but it's really like at the end of the day, do you have the opportunity to get better? And the, you know, the guys that came from big time programs that came from smaller programs, whether it's like we have every opportunity to get better at Valpo, just like they do there. We're given all the opportunities. And, and some things we're a lot better at. So uh, that's what I'm excited about. So we have we have the, you know, Thomas from Michigan State and Trevor and Kobe and Joe from Wisconsin. Then we got uh, Kevion from Winona State. So those five transfers coming in, they all can come in as like, man, this is, yeah, Coach Lodge's door is always open. I never saw the inside of, you know, my former coach's office, but maybe once a year. Like, he's very accessible when – if the only coach you ever know, you might not think, well, you know, hey, coach is kind of hard to go talk to. And then they realize, oh, wait, we, we got a pretty good situation here. So that's that's their leadership, all five of them, and, and telling their stories to the guys that are here has been amazing. And then all those guys talking to the freshmen. We have, you know, five freshmen, and um, they work. And they have no choice because of the, the 10 upperclassmen, 13 actually upperclassmen that are on the team you got no choice. Like there, we have a freshman and a six year senior in the gym all the time playing one-on-one working on drills together every single day. Our practice gym is packed with no coaches in it with guys trying to get better. So I I know that dodged the question a little bit, but it it is reality of the experiences of transfers coming in from really good programs and really good coaches and, and communicating that to our current players, uh, our returning players and then the freshman has been invaluable. So what Thomas and Trevor, they're very outspoken um, guys. Joe's really outspoken. Uh, Kobe and Kevion's a little quieter, but they're, they're good dudes. But you know, those guys speaking truth and what's out there has been really awesome. And uh, then just how they've all came together. Com- competitiveness and practice has been tremendous. 
Um, and uh, the amount of size we have has been nice too, that we, we now have some big bodies. So it's, um, we got to get everybody healthy, which everybody's close and, and get rolling. So uh, well, my final question, and, and I ask this because, I mean, you and I have been around a long time. You've been, you know, you got to be one of the longest tenured athletics people around. So at least for me, when I see guys come back to visit, it always kind of warms my heart a little bit because you never know who's going to pop in. There were two guys that were back in the arc last week um, for completely different reasons. Uh, e. Victor Nickerson was here for a little bit, um, got to meet his wife, which is amazing. And oh. then I also know that, and, and, and I'm just curious, this seems awesome. Uh, Daniel Sackey transferred down to New Orleans and they had to be evacuated, obviously, because of, of Hurricane Ida. And I had messed, I'd reached out to Daniel and I said, hey, are, are you safe? Are you good? And he said, yeah, I'm actually back in Valpo for a little bit, hanging with the guys. And then he went over to Western Michigan. When you see, you know, we talk about basketball and on the court and all that stuff, but when you see guys like Victor come back or a guy like Daniel who, you know, gets to come back and, and spend some time, albeit against terrible circumstances down there, just kind of your thoughts on, on those relationships as they continue beyond getting minutes for a team. I think it's, a, I love it, to be honest. It's, it's one of the, you know, Victor coming back to, you know, basically show off his wife. Like, look, I'm married, coach. I, I know you probably didn't think I was going to get married, but I'm married, and and she's amazing. Um, and so that was – it's really special. And then for guys that even under different circumstances that transferred away that, you know, still feel like they have connections um, in Valpo that they feel comfortable coming back, um, even though they're not really part of the team and they didn't leave the way that, you know, everybody would expect them to. But to be able to have that comfort with the community, with the players and, and the staff is – it's pretty special. And then, you know, also throughout the year, like this summer, I, I've seen Lexus uh, Williams. I've seen uh, a new coach at Boise Carter. State. Special. Yeah. Assistant. Yeah. I'm so happy for Lexus. I mean, Lexus is an awesome guy. Eric awesome Buggs player for us. Guy. And then, you know, he, he was like one of the first guys that, you know, he took the grad transfer and he was able to play, he played, he did those great years. It was just, it was the right thing for him to do. And it was, you know, really supportive of him. And then Jabril saw, Alec Peters came to campus uh, this year and and wor actually worked out with the guys. That was really fun. That would have been a secret scrimmage that you would have loved to bid at. Um, and, uh, you know, the amount of guys that we've had come through from, you know, Ryan Brokoff last summer came through. I mean, we just uh, – a ton of guys have come through. Eric Buggs and, and guys from, you know, all – you know, way back 20 years ago come through and say hi, 25 years ago come through and say hi. It's, you know, it's a special place when they come through and just to say hi. I hadn't been to campus in a while. I wanted, you know, I was in the area. I thought I'd stop by. Uh, you know, he was only here a year, but like a Keaton Fry drove through um, and was going to Michigan. He, he, and he made this drive so many times. He got to the exit and he, hey, coach, are you there? And I was happy to be out of town, but it was awesome that he just wanted to come by and say hi because he could. And so, um, any of those stories or, or guys that want to come through, I think, I think that means, I, I think that means you're having an impact on more than just the basketball of their life. And, uh, I think that's a huge, huge deal. And if you ask a lot of college players out there, the amount of times they go back to their formal schools and say hi to their coaches, very, very seldom in their first 20 years out of college. Now, after that, you go back cause you're old and you got nothing better to do, I guess, but usually your first 10, 15, 20 years, you don't go back to your school very often. And, and to see so many guys come through the program is, is, and just say hi, it's awesome.
Well, it is, uh, let's see here. I'm looking, it's about six weeks or so, maybe, maybe eight weeks uh, until that first exhibition game. I can't do math all that well right now, but yeah, it looks about eight, it looks about eight weeks uh, from two now. Months. Let's just go two months. We got September, months, yeah. October, we play a game. Eight months and a day till the first exhibition game. Luke, thank you very much for joining Union Street Hoops. Uh, let's do this again next year. Hey, sounds good, my man. All right, take care. All right.